Okay, Matthew chapter number four. We're going to, uh, I, I would say we're going to be brief tonight, but we're not. <laughs> but we're going to finish the chapter, and then next week we'll hopefully, hopefully we'll get the chapter finished. We're down in verse 27. Uh, I'm 27. There's only 25 verses. So if you have two extra verses, then we're good to go. We're, we're, we're going to start back up verse 17 and just work down through the information here. And uh, again, we've, uh, we, we've been seeing verse 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Those timing marks we looked at, okay, there in verse uh, 15, uh, where he talks there about the quote, uh, uh, the prophecy out of Isaiah 9, uh, out of Isaiah 9, we looked at all of that. So I was talking about maps, so I found some maps on that I have, I don't have them here, so the folks on the internet, I'm sorry, you'll just have to look, but there's a map that's the ministry of Jesus in Galilee and I'll try and get these to where I can put them online I have to get Ricky to help me there's the ministry and I did this one uh, this is the settings of the Gospels I don't, hopefully you can see that I, I, I thought it was pretty clear but uh, and then here's one about beyond Jor beyond Israel I did it just so because we're going to be looking at these as we go through and then here's modern day you see Syria, Jordan, um, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and so forth. Kind of give you a, a broad idea. All this stuff is subject to change to the latest war, okay? Um, and then here's one that I just found as a whole of the neighbor of the whole thing. So when we're going to go back to this ministry in Galilee, because in verse 15... Where Isaiah the prophet saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. He's moving to the Galilean ministry now. And he's so he's moving up north. So if you look at this, uh, you see the Dead Sea, and then you see Judah and Jerusalem, Idumea, Jerusalem, Judah, then you see Samaria, you see Galilee way up north. You, you see Nazareth, He's, he, was, he was at Nazareth, then he went all the way down south to Jerusalem. Now he's, and, and again, between verse 11 and verse 12, there's, there's an early Jerusalem ministry that Luke and Mark and John have information. Not, it's not in Matthew. If you look at verse 13, Matthew 14, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum. So, whoops, if you see Nazareth over um, under, underneath uh, Cana there, Cana, the, the wedding at Cana where he turns the water to wine, the first miracle he does, he leaves Nazareth and he goes into Capernaum. Capernaum is just on the north side there of the Sea of Galilee. By the way, you'll see Tiberias. In John, it's called the, the, the Sea of Tiberias. It's the Sea of Galilee. It's the same, the same place. So when we spend our time in Matthew, I'm, I have this on this computer now, so we'll, and I, I will get it for the Internet, folks. I just got to get Ricky to help me, okay? But what you see there, I just want you to get a feel for where we're talking about because now he's going to talk here in verse 17. The issue with the gospel of the kingdom and the message that was going to be, pre that's the message that's going to be preached by Jesus in the earthly ministry. Now watch verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his, his brother. Now notice Matthew says Simon called Peter, but Simon wasn't called Peter at this time. But Matthew calls him Peter because he's looking back at the events and writing them. Now we're going to run into a couple other Simons, 
And so you need that extra little help in identifying who we're talking about. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishers. So they were, these guys, they cast a net into the sea. They, 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 were fish, they were fishermen. They, they weren't out on a big, they, they had those nets with the weights on them, and they would throw them, and it would see, you've seen all that in National Geographic. <laughs> see it in real life. See, there you go. All right, woo-hoo. Celebrity back there, right on, right? You know, I, I have two down, well, living, in, in, uh, living in Alabama on the coast, that's how they would go out. In the, in the Mobile Bay, you can literally walk two miles off the beach, and the water will just start to hit your thigh. It's real low, okay? So they would go out and catch mullet, a mullet fish, and that's how they did it. They would throw nets and then pull them and draw them in. So th- that's what they were doing, verse 19. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And this is the great soul-winning verse that everybody uses, and uh, there was an organization at one time called the Fisherman's Club, and this was their verse, and this is what they would push. You'll, you, 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 you've all heard it somewhere in, in our past, and really when they, they, they were fishermen, so the Lord says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, so they play on the word. Come back, come back to Habakkuk chapter 1. So Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. Habakkuk chapter 1. Just, just to notice some interesting... It's, uh, it's right before Haggai. Zephaniah, it's right before Zephaniah. Habakkuk. It, it, Habakkuk. Yeah. Sound like you're clearing your throat. Habakkuk one. Look, notice, if you will, verse fourteen, and make it and make us men as the fishers. I'm sorry, the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things. They have no rule over them. They take up all of them with the with the angle. They catch them in their net. They gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Now, there's other things going on there, but notice how men and fish are equated to be the same in Scripture. They're, they're, they're used that way. These guys are fishermen. They're out here doing the, the, the work and so forth. Now you're going to come over here and be fishers of men. Uh, if you come back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 47. Matthew 13, 47. The Lord likens men unto fish. Now, by the way, the passage in Habakkuk is a second is a tribulation passage. This passage in Matthew 13, when we get into the seven mysteries here, this is a tribulation passage as well. Verse 47, Matthew 13, 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they draw, drew it to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels and the, cast the bad away. What's going to happen in the tribulation? We're going to gather in the good and we're going to get rid of the dross. And we're talking about people. Come back to Matthew 4. So when he says, hey, follow... Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what'd they do? Verse 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. So they quit what they were doing, and they went with him. Now, that was their call to the ministry, if you've got to have a call. What'd they do? They stopped, and they moved on. Matthew 4.20. They quit doing what they were doing. Verse 21. And going on from from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother, 
in his ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Now, this is going to, these guys are important here because you've got Andrew, you've got Peter, now you have James and John show up and they're with their dad, Zebedee. That's interesting. The son of Zebedee and there's Zebedee. <laughs> okay. And they're mending their nets and he called them, verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now there's something wonderful about James and John and we'll get into them more as we go along. But there's something here also about what they're doing. When he called them, they are mending their, they left their nets and their dad. They left their boat, their business, their livelihood. They left all of their material possessions and they followed Christ. Now that we're going to see as we go through is the characteristic of the whole of the program of Israel, actually the whole of the earthly ministry of Christ. Let's get more, more specific. Come over to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to, and if you can catch, grasp this as we go through 5 and 6, the Sermon on the Mount here, 5, 6, and 7, it will help because there's going to be some things where the Lord's going to tell them, did you forsake all? And when he says that, he means all of it. You think about, they are commercial fishermen. They left the boat tied at the dock and left. They didn't say, wait a minute, we got an auction on Sunday to get rid of it. And we'll cash it out. No, they just completely left, let it all go. Look at Matthew 6, verse 25. So, the, uh, the issue of abandoning material possessions is going to be critical in being, in, as it's connected with the kingdom program. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no, no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat and the body than the raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, God, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, that's going to be the kicker when we get into this. <laughs> okay. Therefore, take no thought saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or with, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. That's it, man. He, he, he boiled it down to the basics, didn't he? Food and raiment. Food and clothes and something to drink. That's your basic physical needs. Well, I need a car and a computer and a phone. No, you, this is what you need. Now watch verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So where should their focus be? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The, these things shall be added unto you. What things? Food and raiment and drink. That's it. The requirement in, that, in the kingdom program is to abandon 
present possessions with the understanding of regaining them again in that future kingdom. And by the way, it'll be a hundredfold. <laughs> okay, look at Job. You remember Job? He lost everything. And then at the end, he got it all back plus, except his wife. Okay, so he got it all back. That picture of what we're dealing with here. Come over to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. So when the boy, when when he shows up to John and James, James and John there, and they just immediately that verse said immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. They didn't. Ah, eh, maybe. Hang on a minute, Lord. We got a we we got a hot date tonight. No. Boom. They were gone. Hey, we're out of here. We're moving. Matthew, and by the way, we come to find out the reason that they have that attitude is over in John. They were uh, disciples of John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist pointing to? There he is. That's why in the, the early parts of the gospel of John, they'll say, hey, John, look at Jesus. He got the big crowd. You got nobody. And he goes, I decrease, he increases. That's the way it's supposed to work. And he was good with that, okay? Matthew 19, did I tell you that? Good, Matthew 19, 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That little young ruler here. And he said unto him, Why callest me thou good? There is none good but one, that is God. Are you calling me good or are you calling me God? Which one are you doing? But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, that's not the way we have eternal life. By the way, the enter into life there is a reference to the end there of eternal life. We don't say that today. <laughs> what do you have to do to have eternal life today? Well, you've got to trust Christ. This is going to be a little different. Verse 18. He said unto him, Which? Which of the commandments do I need to keep, Master? Jesus said, Thou shalt, not, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept yet from my youth up. What lack I yet? What's he saying? I kept the, I've kept the, the law program. <laughs> I kept the top ten commandments. I got them down. What else do I need? Now watch the Lord do something here in verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou will be, what? Perfect. You got to remember that word perfect because it's going to come into play when we start in chapter 5. If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. When what the Lord just did was he added to the kingdom requirement. He says, go sell and come follow me. That, get rid of all the earthly possessions. Come over to Luke chapter 12. Watch him do it here with them. Luke 12. So in the early Acts period, when you see these guys selling out and bringing it to Peter and the guys, this is why they're doing it. Because the Lord... If you want to follow me, if you want to have eternal life and follow me, you've got to go sell everything you've got and then come follow me because you're going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, the, and with an understanding that in the future out there, I'll have the prosperity. Okay? Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, verse 31. <clears throat> 
but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And again, those things, that, those are the, the lilies and the ravens. It's the food, the raiment, and the, the drink. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags, which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupted. For where your heart, tre- where, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be, also. What are they doing? They're to sell out. Sell all that you have. Sell it. Come over to chapter fourteen of Luke. When we went through that, those these passages, we spent time looking at it. That connection over into Acts 3, 4, 5, and 6 when they're selling and Peter and them are doing and, you know, Ananias and Sapphira don't do it and all that stuff. Uh, Luke 14, verse 25. And there were great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, Yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doeth, doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's tough. Now, the cross bear, doth not bear his cross. The cross there in the context is the rejection in verse 26, cutting everybody off. That's the turmoil. That's the, the hurt, the heart. It isn't them going over there and picking up the cross at, at, on the Calvary and, you know, bury, up, bear, bear your cross. No, it's that rejection issue. You're in 14, look down at verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. That's tough. You can't go over there. Think about verse 26. Hate not his father, his mother, wife, children. That's everybody. Brethren, sisters, that's just leaving them all. That little flock was to forsake the present present possessions, materialistic things, because they had an expectation of receiving that kingdom and the blessings that go with that kingdom. Now come back to Matthew 4. That's what's going on back here. And the reason for them leaving their nets and forsaking all is that that's what the program required of them to do. That's what's included in the message of the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is forsake it all and come and follow me. And if you don't, you're not my disciple. Don't even even say you are because you're not. Matthew 4. Verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So would they forsake everything? They didn't pitch a fit. They didn't say, hang on, wait a minute, slow down. (laughs) They gone. Verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, that, that region up there to the north, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. As he goes and preaches the gospel of the kingdom, the component now that comes up next to it is the issue of healing. Okay? If you hold on here, look, uh, flip over to Luke 8. Luke 8. In Scripture, miracles, healing, it's a miracle, okay, is always designed to not 
be the teaching issue of the doctrine, but rather the manifestation of the doctrine working. Okay? Look at Luke 8, verse 1. And it came to pass afterward that he, and that's the Lord, went throughout every city and village preaching. Notice, and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Preaching. The first thing he did was preach the message. Then he would go and heal the showing. That's the recipe all through the Gospels. That's why when you go back to Matthew 4, that's why when you see the guys do the stuff today, they're not able to do it. One, wrong program, no right division. But they don't even have it right in the Scriptures itself. So accompanying the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom is healing. And it's going to always be that way. And again, as we go down through and we begin to see him, you'll see him heal, and you'll see him heal, and heal, and heal. Uh, come over to Matthew 10. I know I told you four, but hold, well, just go to Matthew 10. Okay? Matthew 10, verse 1. We're going to see him doing all this stuff, and the reason for it is because it's associated with the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Matthew 10, verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. That's sign number one of the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom. Is casting out the demons and the devil. Okay? And sign number two, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That's the two underlining signs, the two major signs, not underlining, the major signs of the kingdom. Now come back to Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33. Because, and, and we're just going to look here quickly at the healing part, when we get Isaiah 33, look at verse 10. Uh, this passage is describing the second coming of the Lord. Isaiah 33 helps to be in verse 10. Verse 10, Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. So he's standing to rise. Acts 7. Stephen sees him standing. Isaiah 2, Psalms, they all say when he stands, it's to come back and judge out, pour out his wrath and to conclude the, bring in the kingdom. Verse 11, ye shall conceive chaff, ye shall bring forth stubble, your breath as fire shall devour you, and the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up, shall they be burned in the fire. <laughs> Over there in Thessalonians, Paul says, Flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God. <laughs> That's the unquenchable fire, Matthew 3. We've are, so we're talking about judgment. We're talking about second coming. He's going to come, and what's he going to do? He's going to pour out his judgment. Verse 13. Hear ye that are far off what I have done. And ye that are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among you, who among us, sorry, shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? That's great questions. Who can survive that? Answer, verse 15. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. Who's going to be able to, to make it through the tribulation, those burnings and that fire of the judgment of the Father? The little flock is, the believing. He who walks righteously and speaketh uprightly. That righteous nation, that's who is going to make it through. He that despised, the, uh, verse 16, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks, bread 
shall be given him, his water shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. In Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, when we go down through them, we're going to see there's one that says, Blessed be the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There, there he is. You see, that righteous nation is going to be able to go through that. Now, just kind of on a side note, just so you know, you, you, you see that in verse 16 about he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. He's already set his ammunition all over the galaxy, the universe out there. So when this battle begins to rage, come down to verse 22. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He shall save us. By the way, he's the judge. There's the judicial branch of the government. He's the lawgiver. There's the legislative branch. And he's the king. There's the executive branch. By the way, every government on the earth has those three branches in it. The judge, the law, and the king. And when Christ comes back, guess what he is? He's all three in one. So he says, verse 24, And the inhabitants shall not say... By the way, when he does that, we're talking about the kingdom. That's when, that's when he's going to be the judge, the lawgiver, and the, and, the, and the king is the kingdom. So what are they going to say in the kingdom, verse 24? And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. The inhabitant of the kingdom, the people living in the kingdom, what are they going to say? I'm, they're not going to say, I'm sick. By the way, if someone says, I'm sick, he, it's because he's a rebel and he's an unbeliever. And he'll be judiciously dealt with. You see, folks, in the Old Testament, come over to chapter 35 of Isaiah. A healing is is connected to one of the blessings and the benefits of the kingdom and it's and it's one blessing number 1 <laughs> it's a top one 35 chapter 35 look at verse 5 Isaiah 35:5 then oh wow man where to start well if you look back up verse 1 the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. When is that going to happen? That's in the kingdom. That's what's just happened in 30, chapter 34 is the battle of Armageddon. That's where he says, verse 34, 5, For my sword shall be bathed in heaven, and behold, it shall come down. He's got all the war in heavens over. Now he's coming down, and he's burning up that south end of the, of the valley down there. 35, 35.4, the desert's going to blossom as a rose. Verse 2, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Car Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. That's all kingdom. Verse 5, then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart. And the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And off you... By the way, verse 5 is one of the marks of what the Messiah is going to do. So when they see those activities happening, like in the Lord's ministry, Isaiah 35 would come to their mind and they would say, Whoa, wait a minute, that's the Lord. He's doing that in the kingdom. This guy's doing it here. That's why you, you, John and Peter heal the lame man in Acts 3. And they're ready to nail him. And Gamaliel stands up and says, hold on a minute, boys. We're not quite sure what happened right there, so we can't say God didn't do it. <laughs> but we can nail them for talking about Jesus of Nazareth, but we can't go against that because that could have been God doing that. At least he had a little bit of a, a little hesitation. By the way, who was sitting at the feet of Gamaliel learning? Saul of Tarsus. 
he was there. He was around. He just wasn't on. Uh, he wasn't a player. He was a nobody at the moment. Verse 10, 35, 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. We got that beautiful song. Okay? I don't know if we do or not. Just, somebody will make it a song. But that's what that's where we're at. In Exodus 15, Moses has got him out there. He gets down and he says, "Hey, the Lord." Exodus 15. That's what you get for making half notes. <laughs> Exodus 15, verse 26. The end of that verse, he says, For I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'll take care of you. I didn't, he, verse 26, the whole of it says, And he said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'll take all the sicknesses and the diseases away from you. You just got to be with me. If you come on over, get Jeremiah chapter 30, but run over to Malachi 4, the last book of the Old Testament. This issue about healing is all through the Old Testament. Malachi 4, verse number 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. There it is. Jeremiah 30, second coming passage. By the way, Malachi 4 is as well. Jeremiah 30, start in verse number 7. Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So obviously, we're talking about the second coming, tribulation, 70th week of Daniel. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, and will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God, and David their king, whom I will raise up unto them. Drop down to verse 17. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. God's going to take away the curse, what he, what he called the botch of Egypt back there. He's going to give them good health. And that's all connected to the kingdom. In Ezekiel 37, going out of the temple is a river of water. On either side of that river are trees that are going to there, which are for the healing of the nations. You see it over at the end of the book of the Revelation. They're to come. God's going to heal Israel, and he'll heal every one of the nations on the earth that comes and worships him. Ezekiel 37. Zechariah 14. He goes over and he says, I'm going to send a pestilence among those all the nations out there that don't come and worship me. So he will afflict them with sickness and pestilence and sorrow and disease. They'll have drought. They'll have all kind of trouble. But what sits up in the kingdom for them? Healing. So when you come back to Matthew 4, what he's doing is he's offering that kingdom. He's identifying himself as king, priest, prophet, all of it. And he says, by the way, back in Matthew 4, right, verse 23, 
I'm going to heal you. The end of that verse, Matthew 4.23, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people, and his fame went throughout all Syria. Now, if you look here on this map, let me see if I can get the... Think about where Syria is. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's all that stuff to the north up there, the top. You can see it. It went everywhere. And, and what did they do? And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers' disease. By the way, divers, diverse, different kinds, okay, of disease and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. You know what happened? That whole territory heard about, hey, there's a guy up in Capernaum up there healing people. Completely. Head to toe. So they all did what? <whistles> Let's go. We're going to go get that. In Scripture... Anytime God heals anybody, it's complete. It's total. It's the whole thing. And guess what? It doesn't have to be redone. And it doesn't take forever either. <laughs> My, we used to have a neighbor live down the street, and she was a big Benny Hinn follower. And it really, it was her mother, but she had to take her mom because her mom was hurting. And they would go to the Benny Hill. They went down to Mexico City to see that guy to get his mother healed again, third time. And I said, listen, and she's quoting scriptures. I said, healing in scripture is complete, total, one-time deal. There, if you look there at verse 24, and he healed them. By the way, how many of them did he heal? All of them. They were emptying out the sick bin, the hospitals. They weren't just sitting over there going, eh, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. No, they were, here, here he is. And you got to be, I don't know, you, you got to not read to follow some of that mess up there. Look over, look over at Mark 6. And by the way, He healed them. He healed every... I tell, uh, get Mark 6 and get Acts 5. Run to Acts 5 first. Run to Acts 5. Acts chapter 5. In Acts 3, they heal that lame man Peter and John do. That guy gets up and leaps and runs and he, and you know, he's happy, rejoicing. Look at Acts 5. Look at uh, verse 15. Acts 5.15. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There's your shadow. That's where they get the shadow thing. Paul sends a handkerchief over. And the guy gets it, and, it, and, and just the, the perspiration in the handkerchief heals. So what do we do now? Well, if you send in your donation of $1,000, we're going to send you a hanky, and it's going to heal you and your house. And they, it doesn't work today. They get that goofy thing. They've given their 100 bucks or whatever, and they're going, it ain't hurt, it ain't hurt nobody. Now watch verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities, round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. 
please underline that. Not just some of them that had great faith. All of them that came. Now look at Mark 6. Because what usually happens is, is when you don't get healed, what do they say? You don't have enough faith. Right? Nothing, nothing in, in Acts 5 there has anything to do about their faith. Actually, watch these guys in Mark 6. This is kind of a kicker. Mark 6, verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and, of, uh, Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, So do these guys have faith? No. They're not in, they have no faith at all. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk. Uh-oh. And what happened? He healed them. Mark says that Christ couldn't do any mighty works there, so he just healed a few people. That's not a mighty work. Oh, we got a mighty work going on in here tonight. No. Not, look at These guys did not have any faith. Now look at verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went around about the villages teaching. All he could do in that little village was heal these people. He couldn't do any more for them because they didn't believe him. They didn't have any faith, so all he could do was heal a few of them. Now that doesn't sound as though they had to have faith to be what? Healed. So again, what are they going to do? You can't be, come back to Matthew 4, you can't be healed because you've got no faith. No, faith has nothing to do with it. Healing what has to do with healing is the, is the program that's, that God's doing. What's God doing here? He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he's healing people. You'll notice in verse 25, And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. They were, they were coming from all over the territory. Because they didn't understand why. They just knew he could do what? Healing. He's going to feed the 5,000. We'll see it. We've already seen it in, in our other studies of Luke and John. And they want to make him king because he fed them and took care of them. So he had to go and dispel that. People are fickle. Give them a little bit and boom, they're good. You know. Oh, here he is. My point is, is we're going to start chapter 5. We're going to move to the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, and he's going to give us the Beatitudes here, or what are called the Beatitudes. And none of these have anything to do for us today. Maybe a good way to live life, maybe, but it has nothing to do for you and I today, spiritually speaking. A piece of the gospel of the kingdom is going to be the miracles that are going to come. By the way, look at verse 24, just real quickly. Notice, sometimes this verse gets used about mental illness, okay? And if you'll notice how the Lord, they'll use this on demon possession. Did you guys see the thing, the news where the guy did an exorcism and he ended up killing the guy? Yeah. There was a priest doing it, and they're, it's back east somewhere, I think. I, I just heard a blip. But notice how careful the Lord is in dissecting this stuff out. He, in the dark age, that word lunatic, divers, disease, and torments, middle of the verse, 
and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy. People will say that people are crazy, and they call it demon possession. It's not. Okay? The Lord separates that out. He makes a distinction between being demon-possessed and someone who's a lunatic, who, which is a mental illness. They're not one and the same. Religion puts them together so they have something to jump on, but it's not. And, and you have to be careful when you're around people who begin to use this kind of stuff to say, ah, they, mental illness and it's a demon possession. No, it's not. It's something else. Because today, you're not demon-possessed. You're demon-obsessed, maybe. <laughs> but you're not demon-possessed. Okay? So I just, looking at it there, remind, remember. So tonight's kind of a quickie, short one. It's only 45, 50 minutes. Sorry. I cheated you out of 15 minutes. But it, it sets up Chapter 5 now. Okay? So just remember, we're gonna, the Lord's going to preach and show. He's going to preach the message, and then he's going to do miracles that are going to back up what he just preached. He's going to come over here. He's going to, do, he's going to make a statement here in the, Beatitude, in, 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 in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's going to take us into his kingdom. And here's what the citizenry of my kingdom is going to look like, live like, sound like, taste like, smell like, and do. Here's what they're going to do. And when he does that, that begins to lay the foundations then for stuff that are coming where he's going to start doing stuff. And you're going to go, why does he do that? Well, it's because of what he laid down in chapters 5, 6, and 7. Okay? So we're kind of a critical point here. All right? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for the folks they come, they study, and they're interested in these things. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.